right, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, we will just be looking at four words, just a few words in Exodus chapter 20 as we continue through these Ten Commandments. Um, as you turn there, these past couple weeks have been full of great memories for me and unexpected opportunities, um, but I am particularly thankful for the two men who filled the pulpit while I was away. What a great gift we have in David Leonard, right? He not only leads our music with excellence, always pointing us to Christ each week, uh, but he also writes beautiful songs like the ones we just sang. And, uh, and not only that, then he delivers God's word without a guitar in his hand. Uh, and so, so incredibly thankful for him uh, as, a, as a part of our family. Thankful also for Fred Hall, as he uh, is such a gift to our church family, both as a, a friend and uh, an elder. And I, I consider it just a gift that he was, uh, again, proclaiming the word to you and to me as I listened online. Uh, I am so thankful for these men and so many others. I, it makes it so much easier for me to leave with confidence that the Word is going to be preached, uh, that Scripture is going to be taught each and every time, and so it's, it's a gift to me. But I'll tell you, being away from you is always a challenge for me. Um, it, it is, I, I don't know if you know this, but I actually like my job. I like, uh, I like this part of my job in particular, and so I miss it uh, each time. And uh, so I'm thankful that you let me come back. Uh, there are certainly stories to tell about this, these trips that I was on, uh, travel plans that changed, opportunities. Uh, but for now, we'll just leave it that we rejoice that God uh, orchestrated those things, that God's sovereign hand was in control, and that I had the opportunity to preach and encourage pastors uh, and provide in a, in a unique way. So thankful for that. And uh, so once again, we're going to be in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we are we're making our way through, right? So we're already to commandment number eight. And uh, I, wanna, I want us to read these few words in verse 15. Four words. You shall not steal. As we have found with each commandment, there is much more than just the surface level, right? The surface level of each of these commands has seemed like, generally speaking, we would be able to say, haven't done that or aren't currently doing that, so I'm okay, I'm good to go, check that box. But we will even discuss some of the surface level things that this might be describing uh, for us that we can understand. But as we'll find, as we have found with all of the other ones, there is more than just the surface level. In fact, when I was digging into this passage, I began to think of things stolen uh, and, and that maybe aren't just through run-of-the-mill thievery, but then I realized that this command expects much more of us as believers than just not taking what is not yours. So here's what I would say. There are two types of people in the world. Now, again, there's always two types. It feels like a, uh, in all of those different analogies that there's this kind and that there's those kind. Uh, but in this case, there are takers and there are givers. So I want us to first consider takers. Takers. Did you realize, I did not know this, there are 2.5 billion burglaries a year in the U.S. That's one about every 25 seconds. Another theft, another theft. 
Now, some of us might not consider all of uh, that, that. Certainly, maybe we haven't done that. But maybe if we thought about some of those more, quote unquote, minor infractions of this breaking this law, uh, where it's like we we take the office supplies home to use for ourselves, thinking that they're ours, even though they're not ours. How about hotel amenities? Not like the soap and shampoo that's like designed for you to take, but I, I looked this up to see what, what do people take from hotels, right? What, what is that thing? And so I, I found a survey of like some 1,500 hotel owners and stuff that was stolen from the hotels. The greatest thing stolen was towels, apparently hotel towels people liked a lot. Pillows, bathrobes, you know, pens and pads of paper. This one got me, though. Batteries from the remote. <laughs> Man, you're struggling pretty hard if you needed a battery. Also, people just take the remote itself. Light bulbs, coffee makers. You got to listen to these last couple ones. TVs. And my personal favorite. Now, I want you to know this. Of the 1,500 uh, in, like surveyed, 4% said this was stolen. And like, that doesn't sound like that many until you hear mattresses. <laughs> Can you imagine that, by the way? Just like walking out the lobby with a queen-size mattress. How did you get that down the elevator, right? Like, excuse me, sir. Oh, no, this is mine. I brought it from home. Like, that's not fitting in your carry-on. I can promise you that, right? Like, and, and, of course, we laugh at these things because they're absurd. Like, people take the mattress from the hotel. Like, well, I really thought it was comfortable. It was very soft. Like, what kind of, like, logic goes into it when we, we think of that? But, but if we're not careful, we, we, we put that in one category, but we put any other theft in its own category, like it's more okay, right? The ludicrous, no, nobody should do that, but well, if it's not yours, it's not yours to take. And, and in, in truth, the reason that we steal stuff that is not ours is because we believe, or better yet, we have a lack of faith in our provider. We don't believe that we're going to actually have what we need or what we want. So we don't believe that our supplier is going to come through. I think about in when Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, he says, even in Thessalonica, he's talking to the church there and says, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek to give, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice, and acceptable and pleasing to God. Listen to verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's when we don't believe that, that we decide to take things into our own hands and we're going to supply for ourselves. We're going to provide our own needs, so to speak, because we, we're not getting what we need from God. So we're just going to, or we don't believe he's going to give it to us. So we're just going to 
fashion it ourselves. We're just going to make it happen on our own. And this, this might even be one of the ways in which we see this theft take place even more. Malachi chapter 3 describes a different kind of robbing. The Lord speaks and says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You say, well, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fall, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Wow, did you catch that? Can you imagine being in this conversation and being described as a thief? Like you're a burglar, a robber, and worse yet, of God. You see, I, I think I would have responded just like they did. <laughs> How have we robbed you, God? By not giving. You see, we are robbing God when we do not give to him what he expects us to give. We are keeping, hoarding for ourselves that which is actually his. You see, there are takers and there are givers. The opposite of uh, taking is giving. We might, it's not just that the opposite of taking is not taking, right? The opposite of theft isn't non-theft. The opposite of theft is generosity, right? It's, it's giving in abundance. It's, it's overflowing in this way. We do not want to rob God. So instead, what we ought to do is the opposite of robbing God. We should be generous and we should give to him. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes here to look at Matthew chapter 6. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. As you turn there, I want you to remember that the Sermon on the Mount has uh, a lot of connection back to the Ten Commandments. Repeatedly, there are times in which the Lord or Jesus himself says things like, you've heard it said, and so then he elaborates. He kind of takes it deeper. And so this is in some many ways what we're doing here. He talks about this in regard to adultery. He talks about this in regard to murder. He talks about this in a, a few different ways. And in this case, chapter 6 is primarily a chapter about giving. Now there's other things in here. Of course, the Lord's Prayer is here and otherwise. But it, it's very connected to giving. And I realize uh, I do not preach on giving very often. And in many ways, I'm okay with that. 
Um, I, I want us to be a people who see our responsibility to follow whatever the commands of the Lord are, to be obedient to Him. Uh, I want us to consider the, the truths that are here, specifically as we find in Exodus chapter 20, and it compels us then to move to Matthew chapter 6. I, I do want you to know, I do plan, even as I say I don't do this often, uh, in the next few months as we are leading up to uh, approving uh, a new budget and those kind of things, I will plan on preaching on our responsibility in these ways. So don't think, hey, I thought you just told us we don't do that very often, and now you're doing it again. Um, but simply to remind us of our responsibility. So I, I hope that these were reminders that we see today will stir our hearts to give according to God's plan. In fact, I'm praying, and I've asked other church leaders to be praying with me, that God's word will be clear and that the Holy Spirit will convict us in this area. So as we begin in Matthew 6, we give quietly because we choose to live with farsighted eyes. There's two parts to this uh, that I want to point out. One is verse 1. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This idea that you, you should not do this to, to boast in front of everybody else. But actually, verse 22 and 23 says we should be looking farther away. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, sometimes we're looking so much right now, we're so nearsighted that we miss the big picture. We miss the picture that God has in store for us, and we are blinded by all of the stuff that's in front of our eyes. Like literal things get in our way. Stuff is easy for us to be blinded by, right? Isn't that true? Like maybe, maybe you're a student, and you, you want the new thing, like you want the new shoes, or you want that new water bottle. Why? I don't even know why that's a thing, but it's a thing, okay? You want the, the thing that it is. Maybe you're a young married couple, and you are about to have a baby, and you want your baby to not go without whatever the gadget is. I remember uh, when, when uh, we were having little ones, it was a, a baby wipe warmer. And you felt like as a parent that if you didn't get the baby wipe warmer, you were going to bruise your child for all time because their wipe was a little chilly, room temperature. You know, like, why? It's astounding to me that that's even a thing, right? But, but by the way, we had one. <laughs> Right, right, Be because you just you just do that thing. You got to feel like you got to have the, the whatever it is, and and don't think that it's it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, does it? Whatever stage of life you're in, there's always something that blinds you that that gets in the way that makes you think I, I should really have that thing. If I don't have that thing, that I'm I'm not actually doing the, the things that I need to be doing, and and you just it just fills you, consumes you even. It even makes you think that you need something that you do not need. You, you put things on the list of needs, and they're really all over here on the list of wants. So in our giving, we want to, to give in such a way that we aren't looking at just the here and now, but we're looking far beyond that. 
in, in that, we give humbly because we understand that God is the one that meets our needs. Right? That's why we go to the Lord and we say to him, and he does include this in the Lord's Prayer, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. We're going to the Lord saying, it's you who meets our needs. And did you realize that he doesn't say, give us this year our yearly needs? No, there's a, a necessity for us to recognize that every single day we wake up needing the Lord. And sometimes I, I think that we, we assume that we've got it covered. We, we accept a blessing from him, but, but really, like, we, we've got it. Every day, we need the Lord. Every moment, every, every millisecond of your time, you need the Lord. So every morning, we ought to be waking up and saying, God, give me what I need today. Yes, okay, I realize I've got a bank account that's got some money in it, but give me what I need today. Yes, I realize I've got a pantry and a refrigerator filled with food, but give me what I need today. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need. Because I, I want to I acknowledge. So if I'm, if I'm to give humbly, it's because I'm giving to the one who has it all. Why? Because every good gift, every good perfect gift comes from above. Comes from him, James tells us. All right, kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a picture of your favorite gift that you have ever received. Like, your, your most favorite gift. So maybe it's a, a Christmas present from uh, recently or a long time ago or a birthday present. Or maybe it's something your grandparents brought you from when they went out of town. Whatever it might be. But I want you to remember this. No matter if it was your parents or grandparents or best friend that gave you this gift. Ultimately, everything good that you have ever received comes from God. So we want to give him the right credit for it. And that's for all of us too, right? Not just us kids who are drawing a picture, but everything good you've received. And so out of that abundance that he has given us, we too give abundantly because we realize it's eternity that matters. Look at verse 19, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <laughs> Think about it. We can live for temporal treasures that we cannot keep, or we can live for eternal treasures that we cannot lose. Right? What we have a tendency to do is, is live for the right now. But when we do that, we're building up treasures on earth instead of treasures in heaven. It, I think about the men and women of our church that have gone on the mission field, right? They've sold their stuff, sold their house and their cars and, and moved to another land with, with really just whatever money they had, and however many boxes and suitcases they were allowed to take, right? But if as they were preparing to go, if they were accumulating more house decorations, would that make any sense? Of course not. 
Like they are, they are going to go live somewhere else. So why would they be trying to, to fill up their current house? Or if they were getting storage units and U-Hauls and all of these things, why? It wouldn't make any sense. In the same way, we are not going to be here forever. So as we store things up here, sometimes we're just storing more things for ourselves. When in reality, we ought to be living in such a way that we were living for eternity. You see, when you think about it, materialism is not just wrong. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. You've heard the old adage, right? Like, you, you don't, there are no U-Hauls connected to the hearse. You don't get to take anything with you. And, and with that in mind, then, generosity is not this huge sacrifice. Instead, it's humbly selfish. Right? Because generosity is actually storing up. Like, as you're giving your stuff, your finances away, you're actually storing up treasures for eternity instead of storing up treasures for now. You're thinking long game. You're, you're being farsighted. You're looking long out into the future and saying, one day I won't be here. So that stuff's not going to matter. But one day I will be uh, around the throne. And that's, that, that's what I'm aiming at. That's the goal. Which then makes us give joyfully. That's why we can give with a smile on our face. In fact, the passage of Scripture that describes like, giving joyfully, it's actually uh, like hilarious giving. Can you imagine that? Like you're typing in on the, on the cell phone, colonialheights.org slash give. <laughs> like you're just joyfully laughing like this is so enjoyable to you. It's, it's pleasant for you. You're walking by the offering box just giggling like this is fun. I can't believe I get to do this. Y'all, I get to give money to the Lord. Praise God. That's the kind of exaggerated joy that's taking place. Why? Because we realize that that's where our treasure is. Our treasure is not here. See, our use of money demonstrates where our heart is. And it leads us to where our heart goes. Ultimately, in, in all of this, it takes us back to these commands, right? Don't Steal, don't rob from God. So at the end of the day, we give obediently because we are determined to serve the Lord. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Isn't it all really about obedience? Like, are you going to choose to obey the Lord in this? Or are you going to say, hey, I'm going to, to do most of the commands. I don't really like that one, though. Like, this was the rich young ruler, right? <laughs> I follow all those commands. And because there wasn't one in there that said, give X amount, he says, I got them all covered, except the fact that he was robbing. So Jesus says, hey, all you got to do is sell what you have and give it away. Uh, he walks away sad, doesn't he? I wonder if, if the Lord, if Lord Jesus were in here and said that to us, how many of us would walk out of here sad? 
and how many of us would walk out of here joyful. So I wonder, are you going to obey? I mean, I wonder if you're willing to hear this command and just reject it. Like, if that's your plan, if I'm going to be honest, which I don't know if you noticed, but that's like the plan. And some of us are being disobedient. We know the truth, and we're choosing to reject it. I know this because our giving is down. We have the same people here. Um, and I didn't write this sermon because of this. I was walking through Exodus, the Ten Commandments anyway. But that's a truth, right? And I know that if everybody was giving as they ought, abundantly, sacrificially, joyfully, we wouldn't be in that spot. That's a reality. Do you say, wow, are you, are you slapping me on the wrist right now this morning, Pastor? To be clear, I'm not slapping anybody. But I am seeking to remind us all of the biblical expectation for us to give obediently to the Lord and His church. But I want you to hear this. Our obedience leads to freedom. Leads to greater freedom because we know that ultimately God is our provider. So when we say, you've got it, it's, it's yours anyway. We come to him with open hands. We can give freely because we recognize that God provides for his children. Listen to verses 25 and following. This is so good. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's what he just said. They don't have a pantry. They don't have a refrigerator. And yet every day the Lord gives them what they need. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own struggle. Right? Consider the lilies. The Lord gives exactly what is needed. And to put it in modern terms, like, and they're better than Lululemon. Right? Or whatever the, the thing that you want to wear is. Solomon had all of the stuff, and, and the flowers are prettier than them. God gives exactly what is needed. 
you trust God? Just a pointed question for you to consider. Are you giving? Like, are you giving in these ways? Abundantly and joyfully and quietly and humbly? Maybe you're choosing to only give when it's convenient for you. Maybe you're saying, hey, like, uh, I'm giving less right now, or maybe I'm not giving at all right now because truly times are tough and money is tight. I get it. I can promise you I have been there. Maybe you're giving, but you know you ought to be giving more, but you just don't want to. Like, if you're really just self-evaluating why it is that you're not giving, it's just because you don't want to. Maybe, though, you're like my friend who came to me just a few weeks ago and simply asked, how do I give obediently? You talk about an encouragement. This is someone who says, like, I've never really done this. Uh, I want to. How do I do this right? So good. That's, a, that's an okay place to be. How do I do this? So I want to offer to you three practical steps today for giving. If you are, particularly if you are not giving Right now, you're actively not giving. Step one, start giving today. Something. Put actual dollars in the box. Go old school and write a check. Go to colonialheights.org slash give and fill it out. Do something today. Because tomorrow, there will always be tomorrow, and you will keep telling yourself, I'll do that next week or next or tomorrow. I'll get that set up. Just do something today so that you can take a step of obedience. I know I've been uh, disobeying by, by doing this, and so I'm going to take a step today. Second, see the, the tithe, this 10% concept, as a floor for your giving, not a ceiling. Now, i got a one day I'll get to that. And I understand that, that there is a work sometimes it takes to, to get to that point. But I would say that that, that should be not, not the ultimate goal, is that one day you would finally get there. And that that's just for like the, the super elite Christians. No, see that as the floor of your giving. And step three, plan your giving in the future. I realize that Yes, you could, you could give something today, but that doesn't mean that it's planned out well for each week or each month. Sit down with your spouse if you're married and, and consider what that needs to look like. If you've never made a budget, you need help with that? Single, married, uh, students even? You say students like, hey, I don't have a job. I, I feel like you spend money <laughs> on something. And so find the way that, that when you get money to spend that you say okay some of this is going to tithe some of this is and parents help them out you know when you're going to give them like i don't know you're going to give them 20 dollars. give them the last five in ones you know why because two of them go over here they're like oh i didn't have change that's always the thing right well, give them the change ahead of time then they'll be able to do it right so think of these things Set yourself up now for this thinking long term. Make a budget. When you make a budget, start with giving first. 
and then fill everything else out. Your mortgage, your cell phone, your car note, your school loan, da 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 All that goes after your giving. When you're making that now, like put everything else in after. If there's no room, then figure out what you need to cut, what you have to get rid of, what service, what subscription, what membership, what eating out, all of those things. Like, and if you need help, seriously, like at the church, we, we have helped people in this way before. There's uh, elders and pastors and staff members. and We're not all perfectly great at it, but we've had to do that same thing, and we would love to walk through that with you. Again, we want to be ones who look at this command to not steal, to not rob God, and we want to say, we want to go, we want to go as far away from that as possible. Not just that we didn't take something, but we want to say, we want to give abundantly. You see, ultimately, there are not just two types of people, but there are two eternal places. The first is torment with the thief. Now, this isn't a threat, okay? What I'm telling you is that the devil is described as one who seeks ways to steal, kill, and destroy. By definition, he is the king of thieves and wants us to believe that we need things that we really just want. Wants us to convince us that you can take whatever you want. That you deserve more and better things. He is deceiving us, seeking to destroy us. He is the ultimate thief. And he wants to convince you that your life will be better with more stuff. But in the end, his way leads to death. Because right, what our way, the way of the world, the way of man always leads to death. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it leads to death. There's something much better than this eternity with the thief. It's, to, it's glory with the giver. The one who has given is perfect and righteous and holy and good. Everything about him is right. And he is, he's made a way for us. Because you see, we're opposite of that, right? Everything in us is, is selfish and wants more for ourselves but the holiness of God, we, we can't just be in his presence because we have separated ourselves from him in our sin, in our selfishness. But there's good news because he sent his son, Jesus, to take on our punishment and our penalty for our separation. And this one, this Jesus, makes a way for us to receive the gift of grace. Receiving something good that we do not deserve. And our response is simply to trust him. You see, many of us in this room, you would say, I've done that. I've, I turned away from my sin and I turned away from myself and my stuff and I trusted in Jesus that he would save me from an eternity in hell. I have fire insurance. I'm rescued. I don't have to go to hell. I get to go to heaven. 
I get to spend eternity unto our God singing holy. I get to join in with the angels. I I get to, to do that very thing. But for for some reason, we trusted him with our salvation, but then kind of tried to hold our bank account for ourselves. And when we say we trust you as Savior and Lord, which always go together, we're, we're saying whatever it is you tell us, we will do. You don't get to say no, Lord. That's an oxymoron. You say Yes, Lord, I I will follow your command. I will do what you ask. I will do what you say. I will do what you expect. So will you? Will you be obedient? Will you trust in the Lord more than you trust in yourself? Will you trust that he'll provide for your needs? He'll give you what you need. Will you trust in him? Some of you need to trust in him for the first time. You need to believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and he's made a way of salvation for you. So maybe today that's exactly what yours, your response needs to be to this. A, a message about giving, a message about not stealing, and you need to be one who hears this word and says, I can trust in the Lord, not just for my bank account, but with all of my life. I'll give him everything. And I'm telling you, You can trust him. Believe him. Have faith in him. Some of you, your your step of obedience today is to, to, again, actually start giving. Okay, God, I trust you. I trust you more than I can. I I, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, but I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but I trust you. I believe that you are in control and that I should follow your command. And some of us, some of you might be in the spot you say, I'm trusting the Lord in these ways. But your response needs to be a response of praise. God, you have, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be crucified for me. You gave me what I didn't deserve. You've given me every good and perfect gift has come from you, so I praise you. So your response this morning is to to sing praise, to lift your hands. Maybe it is to to give out of abundance, but it it is designed for you today to respond to the word and to the Lord in a way that is most pleasing to him. So respond in obedience today. Would you stand with me as we sing?